But just that piece right there that um, regardless of um, what I think I believe and what I, how I, my thoughts about what I believe put me in a certain camp that makes me think like, oh, I'm in the camp that believes the right thing. And of, of course, Jesus called his followers to follow him because of trusting a vision of reality and that what he says is true. But in those chapters, the quality and health of my interpersonal relationships tell the real truth about what I believe and who I think I am and who I think God and other people are. No, you're not imagining it. Um, and no, we didn't have Tim on the show again this week. Um, welcome to the All Things All People podcast. If you haven't heard already, um, which tells me that you don't follow ATAP on Instagram, which you should go do at allthings.allpeople, uh, we're taking a little bit of a hiatus. Um, we're pressing reset and we are in the process now of booking an amazing lineup of guests and really focusing in on the show um, all over again. And so for the next few weeks or so, um, we are going to be kind of doing a greatest hits uh, of our favorite guests and the interviews that we thought really people responded to the best. Um, and some of the ones that just like really performed extremely well numerically. Um, and when you look at the catalog of guests that ATEP has had, it's hard to ignore a guy named Tim Mackey. Um, most of you, just by the very nature that you listen to this show, maybe you've already, you know, uh, listened to this episode. Um, maybe you just know who Tim is from his work with the Bible project, which is like this hugely impressive, amazing, um, you know, resource mostly found on YouTube, but you can go check out their website um, where he and a guy named John Collins just like explain the Bible better than anybody. I wish I could explain the Bible half as good as Tim. Um, and so, you know, it's tough to ignore that episode uh, as maybe being the first one that we should sort of refeature. And um, I don't know if I've told this story on the show, but uh, by very nature, um, and maybe during these these refeatures, uh, these revisiting episodes, I'll, I'll kind of share a little bit of the background of each of each guest. Um, by very nature of like doing a podcast like this, you're you're constantly asking people to be on the show, and um, that can be a little bit tiring because you know by by just you know inherently like you're going to get turned down at least fifty percent of the time, right? And um, I was able to make contact with some folks at the Bible Project, namely Tim's really awesome assistant, and um, and we just kind of had this ongoing conversation of you know really trying to work on when Tim could be available. And you know it doesn't take much imagination to figure out that a guy like Tim Mackey is like not necessarily the most available guy. Um, but they were so generous, so cool to find me some time, and we were able to have this conversation. And um, you know like literally today. I was teaching um, at the university where I'm an adjunct professor, Gardner Webb, and I teach basically world religions, which won't come as a surprise to anybody. And um, today I was lecturing on Judaism. And uh, it was interesting because I was teaching my students about the Talmud and uh, just Talmuds in general, which is this rabbinic form of teaching where rabbis would, um, you know, have their own interpretations of the Torah, of of the prophets, of the of the law, of the writings, of the history, of everything. You know, and uh, the rabbi's teacher, the rabbi's students would 
um, would sort of be identified by this particular school of thought. And uh, and when I was talking to Tim, we we talk a good bit about the Sermon on the Mount because, you know, if you've listened to the show for any length of time at all, like I, I reference the Sermon on the Mount a lot because Matthew five, six, and seven, for me, um, are three chapters of the New Testament where I just often find myself turning to when I kind of want to get to know Jesus again. Um, because what we see in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's Talmud. And just like even that phrase when he says, like, you've heard it said, but what I say. Um, and uh, he really changed the world on the side of that hill. And it was an honor talking to Tim Mackey about the Sermon on the Mount and just talking to him about Jesus. Like when, when Tim says, uh, that he's a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, I kind of feel like he, like he, he says it like he's actually following him, you know, like down a road. And so I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by people like that because I kind of then maybe go, well, I want to follow him like that too. And so, um, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope if you haven't listened to it, that you'll, um, really soak it in and maybe it's one that you've listened to again and you just, you just want to listen to it again because it's, it's Tim Mackey. Come on, you know? And so, um, I hope you enjoy this episode and feel free to drop us a line either on Instagram or email Jeremy at all things, allpeople.org and let us know which episode you think deserves being featured again. And sometime in December, we're going to get going with new guests and episodes and, you know, not that we're going to, you know, be able to do it, but if you ever have an idea for a guest, let us know. Um, we'll do our best to reach out to them if we think that they're they're a good fit. Um, but either way, until then, I, I'm excited to re-feature our Christian thinker for this week, Tim Mackey. Let's do it. My next guest has degrees in biblical studies from Multnomah University. Western Seminary, where he also has served as an adjunct professor and a PhD in Hebrew Bible and Jewish studies from the University of Wisconsin. He has been part of leading and pastoring multiple churches, including Door of Hope Church in Portland, as well as distributing his many years of teaching on his podcast, Exploring My Strange Bible. He and his friend John Collins, who he met while interning at the very skateboard ministry where he met Jesus, started the Bible Project where their mission is to help people experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. Helping to lead that ministry, Tim, John, and their amazing team have created some of the most dynamic and fresh Bible teaching around. And so with that in mind, it is my honor to have on the show today, Tim Mackey. Tim, thank you so much for making time to be on the show. Yeah, Jeremy, absolutely. It's good to talk with you. Yeah. Um, so plenty of things that I've just been looking forward to talking to you about. But when I think about Tim Mackey all those years ago, um, I know you've been skating since like you were like a preteen. Uh, 11. I, I was 11. It's very, like 11, very yeah. clear memory of the day in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was such a formative part of, of your uh, adolescence. Yeah. Um, if, if somebody's in Portland today, is there still a chance that they might see Tim Mackey at a skate park or uh, street skating or you just, know what? just books and research and Bible project just uh, takes too much time. Yeah, the odds are really low now. I'm entering my mid 40s this year mm -hmm. and um, I injured, I, I got my first fracture uh, all the years of skateboarding yeah. as a teen. I never broke anything, but I um, fell off a motorized skateboard a few months ago and 
right onto my hip and just mm. fractured my hip socket. So, oh my gosh, it's going to be a long time before I skateboard again. Wow, <laughs> maybe never. And I'm still yeah. reckoning with that. But See, anyway, that confirms, there, it. It, there that confirms it for me. For all these years, I've watched Casey Neistat on that boosted <laughs> board, and I've thought that has to be so dangerous. And here you are telling me, <laughs> totally. And I, it just seemed like great fun at the time until you fall <laughs> off one going 16 miles an hour which doesn't mm. sound like it's that no, fast that's pretty quick it turns out it's a lot of force on your bones so yeah there you go there you yeah. go well well maybe it's for the best uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife certainly thinks that that's for yeah. sure <laughs> um so so for for people who who might not be that familiar with you i'm sure that many of our audience is at least familiar with your voice because you know, for the last like seven years, I think you and like I said, your friend John have yeah. been pioneering this this bobble project, and it has just grown so amazingly well. And it's mm -hmm. uh, for those who don't know, um, started off really as I mean, as what it is today, but mm -hmm. a very simple YouTube channel putting out graphic design videos with you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just you, you and John having a distilled conversation, mm -hmm. um, teaching the Bible. Is that still? I mean, is it more exciting than ever now? I mean, I know you <laughs> left, kind of left local church pastoring to mm -hmm. do that full time. Is it still as exciting as it was seven years ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, even in my years of pastoral ministry, I was definitely more like the nerd pastor mm -hmm. um, who's couldn't get a job being a professor kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, I can but, relate. Yeah. But, uh, only, uh, I mean, half joking, really. I really, my passion was to distill good, scholarly informed biblical theology into the lifeblood of the local church. And so in many ways, it's just a shift in venue instead mm -hmm. of just doing it at one church. It's doing it through this medium yeah. of, of explainer videos and podcasts. But um, yeah, I, I'm having the time of my life Every day, I can't believe that I get to work in biblical literature and just with mm -hmm. stories about Jesus for my job. I just don't. It's yeah. such a privilege. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, one of our past guests, um, Dr. Michael Heiser, I think, oh, has yeah, worked absolutely. with you a little bit. Yeah. And the, in the fact, we, we went to the same graduate school. We overlapped one year at the University really? of Wisconsin. Yeah, wow. totally. My yeah. first year was his last year. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, yeah. so I've heard it. Uh, so here's the amazing thing. So, I, you know, just the podcast I listen to. Yeah, I've both heard Mike Heiser call you a friend and N.T. Wright. Did you know that N.T. Wright once called you a friend on his show? Really? Oh, yes. He said wow. my friend Tim Mackey. And I thought, oh, my wow. goodness. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. OK. Oh, man, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll find it for you. I'm and feeling I'll send a lot better about my day. Well, you know, we hung out for one whole day. Oh, uh, a couple of years ago, and it was really, really formative for me because he yeah. has been at big influence. And uh, uh, I'm wow, I'm really honored. That's, I'll find you. Uh, I'll find you the clip, and I'll send it just well, to prove it. But yeah, <laughs> but um, so so just. For those who are not not that familiar, you know, like these, yeah. these series and these these different types of videos, they're profound, and and I'll I'll link to some of them in the show notes. But um, like you said, it it sort of stemmed, I think, from yeah, um, being in the local church and teaching. And for those who haven't checked out exploring my strange Bible, um, it, it's actually sort of discontinued now, which is. For, for those of us sort of sad, but you're yeah. you and John have yeah. the Bible project podcast, which is phenomenal. Um, but one of the, the, the hallmarks of the videos and really, it seems like the mission of the Bible project is helping people see the Bible and Jesus for what 
it and he actually is. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. one thing that I've always appreciated. And yeah. um, I, I, I've been if, impacted by that. So many of my friends have been. And I've heard yeah. you say yeah. in talking about how to approach the scriptures is that being a follower of Jesus and a student of scriptures is actually about having the habit of open-mindedness. Mm -hmm. um, and you've expressed how some of your favorite videos to make are the ones that challenge our cultural assumptions mm. most. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. what, what has that been like to have been at least one of the leading voices in, in Western mm -hmm. culture mm -hmm. of, of helping people, whether they've been a Christian their entire life or mm -hmm. they are, they've never been a Christian, but they watch mm -hmm. your videos and they go, mm -hmm. oh, I've never seen it that way. What has that been like for the last mm -hmm. seven years? Well, um... I mean, I suppose uh, I'm just trying to invite people into um, this experience that I keep having, keep having going all the way back to really hearing the stories about Jesus for the first time from peers in a way I can understand at a skateboard park, which is um, who, uh, let's just let's start with Jesus because it's well, yeah. just one, a more manageable, smaller part of the Bible, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, not that he's manageable. But, you know, I just, uh, I, I had these conceptions about Christianity and Jesus from childhood and from church attendance that our, our family did when I was young. And, you know, it was all just very milk toast and bland and mm. whatever. I don't know what it was. Not, certainly not compelling. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so I just remember as a young, you know, late teens, early 20s, and um, the th stories that Jesus would tell captured my imagination because they weren't they wouldn't do things the way I expected stories to work of like there's good guys and bad guys and the right people will win and it was always that's just upside down mm -hmm. everything's upside down and then the, the kinds of people that Jesus seemed to value the most um, were uh, actually this is part of Jesus that I loved as a skateboarder because he totally has a stick it to the man yeah thing going you know? <laughs> and uh you know, the people that he was most frustrated with were religious people invested in the status quo. And so I loved that, you know, mm -hmm. as, a, as a young punk. And uh, so I, it's, he's compelling. And as, yeah. but, but what's interesting is my journey of following Jesus has perpetually, nonstop, been one of, oh, I thought I actually was beginning to understand. And now I realize, like, I've just been imposing all of these subconscious ideas onto Jesus. Mm -hmm. And just hearing him as an echo chamber, it's just my own self back to me yeah. through Jesus. And so for me, that's what scholarship, the journey of scholarship is to having control mechanisms and tools to like check the echo chamber and oh, shut off one whole like echo thing that I didn't even know I was projecting onto him. And once you begin to, it's kind of like friendships. Like once you really hear somebody for what they're saying and you realize it's pointing out real like lack in your own view of the world or like, well, oh, I need to hear that or that's good for me to hear. That's painful. Uh, I don't, it's just really dynamic. And so mm -hmm. it's been life changing for me. And it does, it keeps happening with every part of the Bible. Like I think I got it and then I don't got it. And uh, so uh, that's for me, open mindedness. Yeah. It's not like staged. It's like my actual experience yeah. Of yeah. following following Jesus. And so th that's a part of what we're what we're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, so in reference to the old 
podcast, Exploring My Strange Bible. I remember um, when I first stumbled upon that, and I, I of course, I had, I had known about the Bible Project, and um, I didn't know much about you. And so my first introduction to you was mm. Exploring My Strange Bible. And I don't know where it was, but I heard you explain that title and basically sort of say, like, you know, some of the things that when we talk about the Bible mm. and we, we talk about Jesus and we talk about Christianity, we talk about them as if they are in the Bible, but then we open up the Bible and we go, I can't find it. Oh, you know, sure. and, yeah, sure. and, and I, and I think about when I was like a really young youth pastor and I would use the, you know, in explaining Jesus, the two cliffs and how God makes a cross and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember mm-hmm. hearing you talk about that and being mm-hmm. like, man, I'm sure that some kids like went home and tried to find that in their Bible and they were frustrated that they couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how much, yeah. um, you know, how much of your teaching, you know, whether it be Blackhawk, Door of Hope, the Bible Project, all of these things has been trying to get people to understand, you know, hey, the, we can actually just talk about what's in the Bible and not mm. come up with these new ways of doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like how much of it has been that in your mind? Well, I mean, just again, my own journey of faith and following Jesus has been that. It's yeah. been that yeah. very thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and you know this as a communicator, you're both, you can only share like what you've worked through yeah. yourself. And so, um, yes, I, I, you know, I think, I feel like a broken record, but um, my experience has been perpetually one of, I thought the Bible was saying this. And half the, there have been some times where it's like, oh, I was just dead wrong. I can't find that anywhere. And mm-hmm. here's what is, is actually happening in the Bible. Usually it's more of, well, uh, there were a few things that I was paying attention to and linking them together, but the way those ideas were connected in my mind wasn't at all how they're actually connected in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I was missing out on like these eight other things that yeah. will transform how you talk about that whole topic. Yeah. And when, once you see it from that angle, it's like, whoa, I have a whole new way of envisioning how to address this or that issue. Mm-hmm. And so it's more like that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe yeah. the, the analogy would um, more be like going to visit a museum and realizing like, oh, I've only ever gone into like three rooms, but there's all this other stuff that would completely yeah. mm-hmm. give me so much uh, more to work with uh, mm-hmm. if I went into all these other parts of the exhibit. So that's maybe yeah. Yeah. something like that. And so yeah. that just keeps being my experience. And it is like as of last week with a whole bunch of yeah. whole bunch of stuff. And so mm-hmm. I, I really don't know what to do about it because I want to share and teach. Yeah. But also I, I now like listen to anything that's from three or four years ago. I'm like, oh, no, like oh, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm missing that. I didn't I hadn't thought about that thing yet. And what can, mm-hmm. I guess we're just humans. So that's the way I, it is. <laughs> I, I can completely relate. So, you know, I've been a pastor for like 10 years now and um, I'm kind of like you. Like, I think I don't necessarily always feel like the lead pastor type role. And I serve on a, a team of lead pastors, so to mm-hmm. speak. And so. I sometimes feel like my role is like, okay, the nerd, you know, the teacher. And so sometimes I feel this pressure Hmm. to like, oh, I feel like I should have known that. And this past Hmm. year Hmm. for me, as I'm sure for you at times, like there's just always like something, some topic or some book of the Bible. For me, it's been the Sermon on the Mount. And um, like I've listened to you teach on it. I've listened Hmm. to, I've read John Stott and all these things. Can, 
for listeners who are just kind of like, why are these guys talking about Jesus as if they they're just now discovering him? You know, like <laughs> um, like 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 when they when we first discover like you grew up yeah. in in, in yeah, the Northwest sure. during like yeah. grunge rock, so like. Yeah. You, like the first time you heard Pearl Jam or Nirvana or something like that, you were like, oh, my gosh, I've never heard anything like this. And that's yeah. how I feel when I read Matthew five, six and seven. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. is it about Jesus? And specifically, let's just even use those chapters yeah. like for listeners who maybe just don't understand how amazing Jesus is. What mm. is it so radical about mm. Jesus and his teaching mm. that blows you away? Mm. Um, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount is uh, endless endless yeah. truly truly bottomless um yeah you know and i've actually done a lot of thinking we're working on a 10-part video series on the sermon on the mount that's oh, gonna my goodness. start releasing in somewhere in the next year because it's been so transformative in my whole view of reality um you know i think i think how i'd put it right now is that w what jesus is inviting us in just three chapters of condensed teaching it's a, it's a whole way of not just viewing reality, but a, a way of being a human being in which the, the quality and health of my interpersonal relationships are the truest barometer of my relationship to the universe at large mm. and to God. Um, and that they're so intertwined that you can't, you can't pry them apart. Um, and this has to do with his assumption about the image of God that humans are an image of God, and so how you relate to a human is how you relate to God, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And But just that piece right there, that um, regardless of um, what I think I believe, and what I, how I, my thoughts about what I believe put me in a certain camp that makes me think like, oh, I'm in the camp that believes the right thing. Mm -hmm. And of, of course, Jesus called his followers to follow him because of trusting a vision of reality and yeah. that what he says is true. But in those chapters, the quality and health of my interpersonal relationships tell the real truth about what I believe and who I think I am and who I think God and other people are. And um, I just find that that's endless because that's not yeah. like, a, it's not something you memorize because every single day presents me with a whole new opportunity to find out what I actually believe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the lived, embodied experience, and uh, I don't, you know, I'm a parent of little kids, and so mm -hmm. every day I'm challenged, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to discover what I, who I am, and so j that's not really an intellectual concept, but it is a, it's a mental, yeah. imaginative concept of of viewing in relational reality as primary, and that was very clearly how Jesus viewed. Yeah. Viewed, viewed reality. He confronted the most powerful, influential people of his day in the mm -hmm. form of a high priest and a Roman governor. And you can just tell from the interactions he had with them, he, he could have cared less about them. Like what he cared about were like these poor, like skin disease people he came across and people with like back pain and like that's who he moved yeah. towards and cared about. That's powerful stuff, man. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm still not fully that kind of person. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think some people who are listening might make the mistake of listening, maybe even to the introduction that I read about you and PhDs and grad school and this and this and this. But when Jesus says, you've heard it said, but what I say, 
or what I tell you yeah. is that has to have been part of what appealed to you as sort of like a rebellious state yeah, totally. yeah. in the nineties is that Jesus is saying, this is what society says, but what I say. Yeah. Um, and so for the, for some, maybe they're listening or, you know, who knows what, right? They, they've watched your videos. Like, um, as you and I as communicators, as ministers, as pastors, like how can we yeah. better, I'm just so burdened. Yes listening to you talk and, and yeah. so many people who have influenced me and like thinking, how can we best mm. strip away all of the false or misconceptions about Jesus and yeah. better communicate Jesus and the gospel? Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, you and John have nailed it with these videos, but obviously, you know, you want to be able to go back to those skate parks and youth groups and churches and yeah, you know, the equivalent of the the poor and downtrodden of Jesus's day. So how how is it that your heart beats for the local church pastor, whoever mm. it might be, to better communicate the gospel mm. in today's world? Yeah, man, that's a great, that's a really great question. I need to think about that more. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I Cause like because well, I mean, here, I'm not a graphic yeah, designer. I can't draw. Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, but but here's the thing: is that um, you know you can watch a video on YouTube and it can change the way how you think about someone. But like someone in your actual life who's present and who's committed to you and who um, loves you through generous acts of kindness, like that, that's actually what we care about and value is, and what we want. Yeah. And when we don't have those relationships, you know, life is like it's a barren desert, you know? And, uh, and so it's sort of like what, um, what the last year and not being able to, to gather and all of that and the way virtual church has forced us all to reconceive what we even think the value of a local church is for sure one among the many things that that it seems like we're learning is that one of the primary values of a local community is lived communal relationships and a mm -hmm. sense of group identity and value that we bring to each other's lives and that's it that's like what jesus cared about like mm -hmm. or just again back to the thing we were just talking about sermon on the mount for him that's it like that relational reality is primary. And mm -hmm. if, if I'm not, and so as communicators or for a local church, um, I, uh, I, I mean, it seems to me that, that, that that's primary, like, because mm -hmm. that is the most compelling thing is going, yeah. going to be about the people who actually are in my life who care about me. Mm -hmm. I will want to be around those people and I will be compelled to, to believe what they tell me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially if they're living it out. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh yeah. and and what that also does is it it puts severe limitations on what any one community can be and do cuz like I can't we can only be that way towards so many people, which means mm -hmm. um we it's likely we need a lot more local churches yeah. Uh, yeah. as opposed to to fewer and that all what a church philosophy of church ministry and all that that's very contextual mm -hmm. but i think that's probably something that is, is pretty universal yeah. and that jesus cared about too absolutely and you know you spent so much time in academia um teaching as a student writing your dissertation i think i'm like ezekiel or so yeah. i mean you know i just yeah. i mean you know you've been in the thick of it from the academic standpoint but what's most fascinating to me about um, like for instance, you know, University of Wisconsin, that PhD program is very elite. I think it's it's very well known in the in the yeah, Hebrew it, world, so it to was, speak. It was certainly rigorous. 
<laughs> it was, well, yeah, a laissez-faire PhD program probably yeah. is not one to yeah, you know sign solid, up for. But solid point. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, w- when you were studying, I'm sure you spent time even looking at Aramaic and Ugaritic and all these Semitic type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you spent a year in Jerusalem or in mm-hmm. Israel studying. Mm-hmm. Um, as you ventured out of kind of our Western context, whether through academia mm-hmm. and then even you know spending time abroad. Um, was there anything that sort of surprised you about um, maybe some of the preconceived notions that we as Americans have about mm. Jesus and Christianity mm. and the church as you studied from an academic standpoint the rest of the world oh. and then experienced it yourself? I see. Well, uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, back to I'm kind of a broken record, but um, uh, my experience of the Bible has been a continued experience of learning to try and learn to hear from people who lived in another culture and time. Yeah. And uh, I have a hard enough time just trying to make myself understood and understand my wife, who I live with, <laughs> Yeah. and for her to understand me. Like, it's mm-hmm. very, it takes a lot of effort. And so, um, yeah, you know, um, uh, there was something about uh, leaving Portland and going to upper Midwest culture yeah. And then going to live in Jerusalem, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of like Euro Middle Eastern culture. Right. And so, so all of those experiences um, and learning, learning different languages. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's learning to see the world through other people's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I, at some point it clicked to me like, oh, that's really what I'm doing every time I open the Bible is trying to yeah. do that, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And um, no, man. And, and so, yeah, seeing the ways that throughout church history, um, and Jewish history, different yeah. Jewish and Christian communities have uh, both allowed the Bible to shape them, but then have also reshaped the Bible in their own culture's image. It's just, it's inevitable. And so mm-hmm. the question is, do, what tools do we have in place to at least show me when I'm colonizing the Bible with my yeah. own culture's, you know, worldview or values mm-hmm. and, uh, and just, uh, and again, all, that's actually one of the most valuable parts of a local church community because any given church community even if it's seems monoculture it's but it's made up of different people <laughs> yeah yeah and everybody so, is their own culture in a way yeah. that's exactly so I, I yeah yep so there was something about being out of an american context though um mm-hmm. and uh fin- finishing my coursework there in jerusalem really yeah. uh really put that whole process in hyperdrive for yeah. about a year. And yeah, I came back with a very different sense of my own identity in the world as having grown up in America and mm. um, realized that the things that I came to recognize in you know, Israeli or Palestinian culture and the challenges they have, yeah. I would, couldn't come back and I started noticing things in my own city that I had never mm. noticed before. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then I was like, oh, it was really really humbling anyway i could go on but you that's the yeah answer. you get the big, <laughs> well the and, and obviously you know finishing a phd program in you know basically hebrew studies in jerusalem is about as good as it gets i would imagine no it's uh, incredible <laughs> i i can't believe the the, the the honor and the privilege yeah. it was to have that education i really every day yeah. I'm, I, I'm really grateful well and it's all you know that and teaching at blackhawk um after school and then you know 
Door of Hope mm-hmm. and Exploring My Strange Bible all has led now to these years now where you and John have been pioneering the Bible Project and everything that it's doing now. And um, one thing that's fascinating to me about the Bible Project, um, and I've heard you and John talk about it, is that so much of what the Bible Project does is based off of like the science surrounding attention span and brain, yeah. you know, like neurology and like, which sort of indicates surprisingly, of course, not really that a five to 10 minute video might actually be more impactful than a 45 minute sermon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, at least in some respects of the word. Yeah, no, so, I get it. so one thing I've always loved about the Bible project is the profound amount of research I can tell that you put into every video and your graphic mm. designers are, I mean, mm. putting mm. so much time in, mm. but being the researcher that you are, mm. does it just drive you crazy sometimes to leave stuff out of the videos because when i listen to you talk about some of these things i go it has to be driving him crazy that he can't expound on this for 10 weeks yeah uh yeah but um i've come to see the power and value of being concise about the right thing Mm. that i really see the value we were just had a painful conversation about a whole section of the video on the beatitudes for the sermon on the mount that we're going to cut and um oh man it's like severing an arm (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's only like 30 seconds but um but i just realized like oh it's a distraction or we call them speed bumps okay it's like it's going to actually detract from the main thing and so it's a good thing but it's not the best and um so i yeah i've just we've just learned to like pick stuff up off the cutting room floor and we'll talk about it in a podcast or it's okay it's just yeah for the sake of communication, uh, so I've learned so much from John in this arena of communication strategy, which things which I feel like I should have known about yeah. from being a pastor. But uh, there's something like when you've got 30 to 40 minutes, you fill it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah. when you force yourself like six minutes, yeah. What? how do you boil this down with no fluff? Yeah. And... Uh, it's such a useful exercise, and uh, I, I'm re- so I'm really grateful for it, even though it's challenged me as a communicator. It's been yeah, a good, so, good so difficult. No, anybody who's never done that, um, even trying to take like a sermon from 45 to 35 minutes or something like totally. that, it yes. is so difficult because yes. you think everything is the most important thing. Totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, it's actually, it's an act of love to yeah. um, trim down and get to the heart of things quickly because you're valuing your listener more than what you were interested in as your content yeah which is really Uh, humbling (laughs) very much so and i I think tim keller said one time that the most important part of writing a sermon is what you leave out um and and obviously for a five to ten minute video on spiritual beings or the sermon on the mount i mean there's so much more that you could i mean you have bookshelves from you know thousands of years of writings that you are probably telling John, Hey, you know, what would be great to put in, <laughs> you know, yeah. is these hundred years of scholarship yeah. that we, yeah. can't you know, but, uh, but we can also flip it. So what a project we're a couple years into that's still in beta is filming classes, having live students yes. around a table and doing classes. Mm-hmm. And, um, next month we have our first guest professor, um, okay. coming in to teach a class and, um, and the goal is in a few years to just have a whole library of seminary, yeah. seminary love classes up. But even then, it's like I just spent 14 hours with students last week going through Genesis 12 to 25, the Abraham story. And even yeah. then, Jeremy, there wasn't enough time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
And so yeah. I just kind of learned like, these are the kinds of texts and this is the type of content that's made for a lifetime of meditation. So there's yeah. never going to be any one time where you can do the, everything that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And that's actually freed me to be like, okay, yeah. so in this moment, what's the thing that we're going to do about this text or that story from just one angle? Because that's all you can ever mm -hmm. give is one angle. And it really yeah. it's freed me to be like, we don't yeah. have to say everything all of the time. You can just do yeah this bit at that one time. Even you just saying that made me feel better. Like it's a, it's a life. So I yeah. teach, I teach uh, world religions and, um, and along with pastoring and, um, huh. and I'm, I'm continually daunting with the, this idea of like, how can we do Islam in one week? You know, how can we do yeah. Hinduism yeah, in sure. one week, you know, sure. a 16 week semester or something like that. And you're right. I mean, as, as leaders, communicators, pastors, whatever, position you or I might find ourselves in or a listener mm. is that mm. transformative learning and in, in anytime you come to Jesus, mm. you're going to be transformed is that it should propel us to a lifetime. Mm -hmm. uh, like you just said, I think that's mm -hmm. wonderful. And, and mm. it's so it seems to be such a part of the fabric of the Bible project is that you're really just trying to spark somebody to say, totally. Hey, there's more to this. And that's right. you know, there's yeah. bookshelves of, you know, there's libraries of information that you can go and um, it hasn't been difficult throughout the years for you. You know, you, you mentioned you're in your 40s. So you've been teaching the Bible for a very long time. Has there been an aspect for you where success has become getting somebody to be interested in it on their own, as opposed to you hmm. trying to maybe get them to recite or regurgitate something that you're just telling them? Hmm. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, to be honest, I, I, I'm actually not a very strategic thinker um, <laughs> or planner on that. I just love, I just love this stuff, like mm -hmm. d d everything about Jesus and everything about the scriptural tradition, I just find so beautiful and fun mm -hmm. and a gateway to think about the most important, lofty, beautiful things a human mind could ever yeah. comprehend. And so, to be honest, like... Uh, whatever the medium or setting is like I I just want to like mm -hmm. learn about something cool and then share other people and show other people how cool yeah. it is and so um, uh, in terms of like pedagogical goals we have people like that on our team now and it's really yeah. good because they oh, help wow. us like plan out like hmm, what content should we <laughs> yeah. make as opposed to just you have to you have to do it a certain way Tim yeah yeah, yeah. but you need both you need both because yeah, like to just have a pedagogical strategy for how to help people learn uh, but without just the pure joy of discovering beautiful ideas that make me want to follow Jesus and be a better human. You mm -hmm. need both. You need yeah. both. And um, But for me, just personally, in terms of my own temperament, uh, it, I just have, this is a phrase I learned from John, to just go where the energy is. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you, you can't always do that. But if you can give yourself space to just always keep learning, and not have to have a utilitarian purpose or a strategic mm -hmm. goal for what you're learning about. Yeah. It kind of keeps keeps things fresh as yeah. it does anyway. Yeah, and you and John are such like a powerful uh, duo because I've heard you say something like, John is an intense questioner. Yeah. And, and yeah. so much of the videos and the podcast start with John like asking you a question. And I don't know if you've ever seen, I think there's a meme where it's like, thanks to John Collins for pretending to not know all these things so that we can learn. <laughs> totally. Um, totally. And I think that's so appropriate yeah. because I kind of yeah. go, I think 
uh, you guys, and he went to, did he go to Multnomah too? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we met in college, yeah. That's yeah, funny. so I'm like, he knows a lot of this, but, um, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's actually, he, uh, he uh, has a great story, because for years, um, well, I was going to school for too long. He was, uh, had started a, a business making short explainer videos, like what we mm -hmm. make, but just for yeah. clients. And so as he streamlined that process, um, whenever it would be like a client, like a, a tech company or something, and he would just go have a discovery week, sit with them for whole days and do what he does with he and I, yeah. but about their, whatever, their little cloud mm -hmm. computing product or something. And, yeah. um, I just said they're little cloud. Like it's, <laughs> it's like the two don't work, but yeah, massive, massive pieces of technology. But sorry, what he would say is he learned to have in the first meeting to say, you guys know this thing. I'm going to be tempted to act like I know so that I don't feel stupid. Wow. And so he just said he would begin every meeting to just say, when it comes to this thing that you want me to help you explain, I'm stupid. And I need wow. permission to ask stupid questions. And so what's made him good, I think, is he's freed himself to not care about looking silly. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a wonderful to, to, for the, over the long haul to, to have that kind of dialogue partner in your life because mm. it just frees both people from you know, trying to um, manage perception of each other and you just go, okay, all right. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, this may be really dumb that I don't know the answer to this, but, wow. and that's, it's no, a really so freeing, good. freeing dynamic. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, I've always told people when I, when I look at Jesus and I look at how he related to his disciples, um, and it might seem confusing, but I've always told people I sort of relate to Thomas because other than when he doubted, every time we see Thomas, we see him asking questions. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and so, yeah. like, I think about what you just said about John saying, hey, I'm going to give myself permission to ask stupid questions. Don't you think that, like, we would all be so, so much better off if we all just said, hmm. hey, you know more than this? You know, even pastors, like, if we yeah. sought out the yeah. guy down the street who pastors a different church, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Um, and said, hey, you know more about this than I do. I'm just going to ask you like really dumb questions. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. um, because that seems to be at least part of the catalyst to the Bible project and like just the, mm -hmm. the, the great things that you guys are putting out to where it is John going, hey, Tim, can you explain what the word hope means? You know, and, and yeah, sure. And I know it's yeah. scripted, but it's, I mean, to a certain degree, I, yeah. go, I feel like they've had this conversation at some point. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I mean, but the, that permission to ask, and it's not stupid questions. It's yeah. questions yeah. that we yeah. think are stupid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So going, going forward, Bible project, like you mentioned the, basically the free seminary classes, which mm -hmm. I think everybody should be taking advantage of. And you're continuing to put out the, the various word study videos and all these things. What, what in your heart and mind, what, what is the next few years of the Bible project look like to you? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> we're yeah full steam ahead on continuing to make explainer videos. That's kind of like the backbone, yeah. and it's so fun and yeah. such a good learning process for me and John and our team. So that you know that'll continue at some point. John's convinced we're just a few years away from when we're all going to be having glasses viewing the world in augmented reality and headsets and so on. And so it's, he's, he's a futurist and he's already thinking down that lane of like, what mm -hmm. is that, you know, communication revolution 
Yeah. How's that going to impact what we do? So who knows? Uh, it's yet yet to be created. Um, there's the classroom. One, well, we have an app underway. Oh, wow. Um, that, uh, and when I say we, I mean like yeah. I've sat in on a, a few. You're aware of, of it. <laughs> of the ground floor <laughs> meetings. But yeah. uh, it's going to be it's going to be pretty neat. Um, not just because it's a place where all the Bible project ecosystem of content will all be interrelated and connected, but um, um, we are envisioning a, a digital Bible reader that is not that doesn't exist. Um, mm. Imagine an interactive Bible where you can not just click on words and do word studies, but a big part of this literature is its artistic design. And so, what if you could turn on features of a biblical passage and begin to see literary patterns yeah. or experience a Bible th through not just the one passage you're looking at, but through the multiple passages that connected to and see yeah. visually in interrelationships. And so um, we're just on the ground floor, yeah. but it's, um, it'd be pretty, because the Bible, it existed on these scrolls, these ancient scrolls, but especially for the Hebrew scriptures, these scrolls were visual prompts for this meta thing that existed in the minds and hearts of a community. It was mostly memorized literature. Mm -hmm. And so how could we create a visual, interactive learning experience where we experience the Bible the way it was designed, which is as a multi-dimensional reality? Mm -hmm. And um, man, I'm super excited about that. <laughs> you have me excited. Um, yeah. it's, is it, it's, it's sort of like, I've heard you talk about patterns and yeah. helping people see the quilt, you know, yeah. like helping people see that it's yeah. like <clears throat> symphony where the same theme is repeated over and over again. Yes. But yes. You guys are at the forefront and <laughs> thankfully, I mean, it, it seems that, that way, at least I don't know a lot of people who are talking the way you are, but, yeah. um, but that is hugely exciting. And so, yeah. You know, Tim, I mean, I think I say this and I speak for a lot of people, um, but I'll, I'll just say it on behalf of me and my friends and the guys that I pastor with. I'm so thankful um, for so many things in how you teach and how you help the rest of us see the world through the lens of Jesus. And I'm so thankful that all those years ago you met Jesus in that skate park uh -huh. and um, and then you and John are doing what you do. And so, um, yeah, man, that's so exciting. And I'm mm -hmm. so thankful for so much of it. Um, and I'm just, uh, I'm excited to see what happens from it. And so thank you for making some time to be on my show. I'm, I know that in the midst of your crazy schedule out there in Portland, you have so much to do, um, but it's been a real blessing. Thank you so much, brother. Yeah. Oh, ab yeah, totally. Absolutely. This is my idea of a very good time to talk about this kind of stuff. I appreciate, <laughs> well, appreciate the invitation.